right, guys, welcome back to episode 27 of the Three Bagger Podcast. We are back after another long layoff, uh, thanks to your gracious host here, uh, Evan. Um, I'm here with my co-host, Nick. Nick, how you been over this break, man? I've been good, man. It's a lot of life events. I think last time we spoke, which was back in April, a lot of things going on. I know I graduated from USF, so I now have a master's degree. Still working for the roots now here in the summer season and trying to catch a baseball game when I can. I know I was at the A's game a couple of weeks ago. It's still, still depressing going there, but hey, it's, it's still good to catch a game now and then. Yeah, definitely. A, a big congratulations to you, Nick. Master's degree is uh, nothing to look twice at, man. That's that's awesome. And I know you're going to do some really great things with it. So it. big congratulations. Um, a lot of change actually, which is uh, part of the reason why we haven't recorded in so long. Um, I moved from the Rhode I- from Rhode Island in the north down back to Tampa Bay. I'm now working for the Buccaneers and the Lightning, as well as the Philadelphia Phillies. So a lot of exciting stuff going on in my career as well. I'm not going to be smart like you and get a master's degree. Yep. So you'll have me there, but. Um, overall, some exciting career stuff, and I'm hoping uh, it can kind of take off here with these part-time positions. So let's kind of get back into baseball, um, what this podcast is about, you know, let's exactly. <laughs> let, let's do that. So <laughs> a lot of big news when we were gone. Let's start with some of the big manager firings. I mean, some of these legendary managers that have managed for seasons and, you know, with World Series and great teams just got up and fired about what a quarter of the way through the season maybe a little bit more just because they were underperforming so much um so nick i'm going to give it to you to kind of talk about these guys yeah exactly i'm sure everyone knows unless you've been under a rock both girardi and madden were both fired both named joe both very unimpressive under 500 kind of two and a half year 10 years but both their teams kind of talk about girardi then we'll go into madden so for girardi kind of look at the expectations with this phillies team they had big names they had harper Gave Castellanos a lot of money. Had some great pitching options with Nola. The expectation was this team was going to kind of go up and start taking the next level and start challenging teams like the Mets and the Braves and kind of get in the playoffs. And this team does have a pretty long playoff drought. And that's kind of Girardi's goal to get him across someone who has gotten a team like the Yankees across to win a World Series. And it just didn't happen. The things weren't clicking. So they figured if we're spending this much money, things need to change. And we need to start getting closer to a playoff spot. So that's why made the firing there i mean they have improved since girardi's firing on like the angels so it's it's something that could happen i don't know i don't know to be something long term of who the next manager could be but i think it actually was smart to make the change here as you can see it actually did have some impact on the team as they did start to play a little bit better yeah and it's pretty funny too because uh the guy that took over uh rob thompson yeah. <laughs> managed with joe girardi for a while um with new york he was their bench coach for a good amount of time so Philly's definitely improving a little bit under Rob Thompson, but yeah, very underwhelming uh, with Girardi's tenure. You see his record right there, 132 and 141. I mean, like you said, these guys had firepower and you didn't even mention the signing of Schwarber either. Yeah. I mean, Schwarber, Castellanos, Harper, you still have Segura. Kingery was supposed to be really good. And I think a lot of their struggles have also been attributed to that back end of the bullpen that just they cannot seem to hold games for them so philly's definitely a team to watch it's obviously not too late for them to kind of get back into it but we'll see if they kind of improve under robbie thompson uh and now let's hop to madden and the angels who have been a very very just sad story since (laughs) forever yeah 
Exactly. I'm just wondering how much will this affect Madden's legacy? Look at a guy who took a Rays team to a World Series and kind of was kind of the face of that franchise to go to the Cubs and actually get them a World Series, a team that hadn't won in 100 years and kind of become kind of like this folklore hero and then leave and then come to the Angels and kind of can this guy kind of be a redemption, take this really extremely underachieving Angels team who has the best two players probably in this past decade and they just couldn't get it through. I know obviously the division has been somewhat tough with the Astros dominated and occasionally the A's the first couple of years of his tenure were, were pretty decent and obviously in Seattle could sometimes play pretty well, but it just never clicked. The The pitching never really worked out while well, they had the offensive firepower and Atani's basically doing everything for that team. They just couldn't get a win. So they led to the fire. It's kind of interesting. I think I read like a couple of games ago what actually happened because I think their interim manager got ejected and then the guy who was, Covering them got ejected. So they're down to like their fourth ever manager for like a game. So everything's just kind of spiraling right now, especially if you look at the division. God, the Astros clearly look like they're going to win eight. The Mariners have won eight straight. And now the Angels are kind of fading out. They may not even look like they're even a challenge for the final wild card spot. So again, it's disappointing. I just trying to think, well, a tiny thing I copy has looked on his deal is what's Trout thinking now? Is it time for him to leave too? So it's kind of what can this Angels team do in this offseason? Because obviously they keep on throwing money at the problem, it's just not working. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said before, just extremely disappointing. And you kind of stress that too. They have all these generational talents and they just cannot seem to put the pieces together. It looked like they were going to be one of the best teams in a league uh, in the early going here. And then, you know, you bring in Syndergaard, you have Trout, you have Otani, you have a couple of these top prospects coming up. Jared Walsh is playing while Taylor Ward comes out of nowhere. And they're just, they're still just third in the division really, or kind of an afterthought at this point it obviously didn't help that anthony rendon is out for the entire year uh, i forgot what his injury was but he is done for all of it so that really hurts their lineup as well uh we'll, we'll kind of see but yeah i don't really see them making the playoffs this year which is just sad uh, i'm i'm kind of wondering too it's gonna be tough to move that trout contract i mean that is a massive contract and he's getting into his 30s now I mean, he's making a ton of money for being over 30 years old. And I think some teams could be a little bit hesitant to put together a massive prospect prospect package um, that it would take to get Trout. Uh, at that point, you might as well just put together that same prospect package and get Juan Soto, who's, you know, younger and cheaper and is still, you know, yet to even hit arbitration. So, yeah, exactly. For reference here on the Trout contract. Uh, he's due $35 million until the 2030 season, which will be his age 38 season. So you're looking at another eight years of Trout. So it's kind of a move at this point. I mean, he's still producing. He's still a guy who's going to be kind of in the top five, top 10 MVP caliber season. So we don't know when the drop off is going to happen. He just turned 30. So usually right after they turn 30, like 33, 34 is when players really start to drop off. Kind of what happened to Albert Pujols after he signed that massive contract with the Angels. So I don't know when he's going to drop off, but still, that contract seems to be movable. I know Otani's got a couple years left on his, so it really is kind of a shrinking window now for the Angels as, as some of their young guys are starting to get called up. Like, are we going to see Joe Adele make a leap here? There, there's a lot of things going to happen with the Angels. They really are truly lacking leadership from an organization. Yeah, and let me specify, I'm not downplaying Mike Trout and his ability and his impact that he would have on a team. I just think if you're looking at other players and other options in the league there there might be better options than getting mike trout for 35 million via trade a year as opposed to like i said some of the cheaper options like soto it, that would probably cost you around the same in prospect packages um they're, they're going to be a very interesting team to watch over the next couple of years here as they 
um, have been and just how they handle these generational stars. So let's head on to our next segment. Um, we're going to just kind of go over some biggest surprise, uh, surprises and disappointments throughout this year. Nick and I just kind of brainstormed before we started recording the pod and we're just thinking like, hey, these guys or these teams have had a really good year and that kind of, you know, I didn't really see it coming or not that we didn't see it coming, but it's just still a surprise and how good they're playing. Um, so let's get right into that. Uh, surprises as far as teams. We had the New York Yankees, the Baltimore Orioles and the Cleveland Guardians. So the Yankees are a surprise to us just because of the fact that nobody thought they were going to be the best team in the league. If you asked me at the beginning of the year, I went on rants on this podcast at the beginning of the year, and I did not think the Yankees were going to be any good. I thought they were going to finish fourth in the division. I think I said uh, very big surprise that they are by far the best team record wise in the league right now. Yeah, I would say I'm not as quite as shocked as you, but I'd definitely say it's still a little surprising, like how dominant they had been. I definitely saw this roster saying, yeah, this team could definitely contend for first place in this division and there will be a playoff team. Do you think they'll be the best team overall in, uh, in the AL? Probably not. I still feel like the Astros or other teams kind of, I thought even the White Sox could have challenged for that spot. But for them to be dominating so far and all the pieces, it just worked out. They're staying healthy. The Lions is hitting fingers every single day. And they can drop a game two in here, but it doesn't matter because of the lead they built. It's just a matter of can what pieces can they add before the trade deadline coming up here that will get them over the hump in the playoffs where they've really struggled overall. They've had good regular seasons in the past. It's just can they get over kind of what their struggles have been in late games and postseason? And that's really going to tell here in the next couple of weeks during the trade deadline. Yeah, I, I, that's really what it is. I mean, the, the regular season, they obviously have to finish and play the regular season, but like as far as Yankees fandom right now, you're looking to the playoffs and you're thinking, can they win a playoff series? Because they really have not been very good at that over the past couple of years. So like you said, some of the additions they're going to have to make at the deadline are really going to help them. Their pitching has been phenomenal. I think they have one of the best pitching ERAs in the league um, with rotation and bullpen. Obviously they had a terrible series against Boston. This, these past four days, they've given up like five runs in each of the four games at least. And they just got uh, rolled over today, 11 to six. Um, I was telling one of our former podcast guests uh, before the series that it was going to be a split series at two and two. And that's exactly what happened. So I, I know these things, um, but yeah, I, I think as, as a fan, I would look to maybe upgrade at the outfield position uh, before the deadline. I, I know there has been some rumors swirling about Ian Happ or Andrew Benatendi. Um, I don't think those would be ridiculous um, acquisitions at the deadline. It just depends on the price package. As I said, or in some of the early episodes, Joey Gallo has not stepped up this year. Joey Gallo has been pretty much a nuisance in their lineup. And the only thing he's good for is his glove in the outfield. That's pretty much everything he's produced. So very disappointed in Joey Gallo. And, and the funny thing is, they're going to ban the shift next year and Joey Gallo is going to go sign like a one or whatever, like a 10 mil deal with some team and be like the best player in the league. I, I'm calling it right now. Joey Gallo for MVP 2023, whatever league he's in. KBO, watch out. <laughs> KBO. <laughs> so let's move on to some of these other teams now. The Baltimore Orioles, nobody expected them to be anything this year, just like the past how many years, four or five, whatever. Yeah. But they've actually kind of kept pace in the AL East here. It's been very surprising. They brought up their top catching prospect, Adley Rushman, who's been pretty good for them this year. They've had a couple um, surprise players that are playing pretty decent, like uh, Ruben Odor. 
uh, who came over from New York. And uh, obviously, Cedric Mullins has been uh, really good, as well as Austin Hayes. Yeah, it was definitely surprising here for this Baltimore team. Obviously, this team, they're still not going to make the playoffs, I don't think. For them, to can be just under 500, especially with the roster and the payroll. It's still pretty exciting for this young team where they can potentially take the leap next year. Kind of, can they even push for a play, especially now with that extra wild card spot? Obviously, it's probably the most competitive division we have in baseball, the ALEs, but they're improving. I know with this, with this team, there was kind of a little like turmoil early on, especially with ownership saying, hey, we want to move. Oh, we don't want to move out of Baltimore, but that's really settled down here. And the really focus has gone back to baseball for this team. And they are really exciting. So this is definitely a franchise on the up. And I think if you're a Oriole fan, you really got to be excited what's going to look like in the next three to five years with this team kind of pushing towards can we catch the Yankees, can we catch these other teams in the AL because they look like they're in a really good spot right now. Yeah, and that's the only kicker, too, is their division. I mean, them going 500 in this division where they're playing four teams that are considered World Series contenders, really. I mean, if you look at Toronto, Tampa Bay, Boston, and New York, I mean, I would say any of those teams, like preseason, I would say any of those teams probably could win the World Series. I don't know how good the odds are for, you know, each and every one, but you look at their rosters and you're like, these guys, if they added something to the trade deadline or, you know, something goes right like it is with New York, they could push for a World Series title. So very impressive that the Orioles are kind of keeping pace with those teams. Uh, and then that brings us to our last kind of surprise. We uh, saw the Cleveland Guardians. I mean, these guys had a lower payroll than Garrett Cole yep. this year to start the season. And they're really pushing for that AL Central uh, crown. I mean, it's just been classic yep. Cleveland baseball. They <laughs> have some great offense. They've got it from underrated people yep. uh, like Ahmed Rosario and uh, Andres Jimenez. That was a very underrated trade of Lindor uh, to the Mets. I think those guys that they've gotten back have been fantastic and it's, just because they play in Cleveland, it's been very under the radar. Um, but combine that with classic Cleveland pitching, and, I mean, these guys are a good team. It's crazy. Exactly. They're a quality team that's been a challenge for that last wild card spot. And just because of the good pitching, and they play really bad teams in the, in the AL Central, so that's really going to help them out here. As you can see how they're going to handle the deadline, this team has a really low payroll. I know before the season, like, oh, who's Jose Ramirez going to trade to? Like, are they going to move more pieces? But – they truly have the opportunity to add a couple of, of options here, especially in the bullpen and kind of challenge for that third wildcard spot, especially now because the Blue Jays are really struggling recently. They dropped four straight as recording this podcast. So it's an opportunity now for Cleveland to kind of get in there. And just uh, it's also a quick shout out to the Mariners of one age grade. They've also been somewhat better than I've expected. I've always been really hard on the Mariners saying, don't believe this team. They're, they're losers for life. But now they're, they're playing battles, especially when we're talking about some of the important players that we've really liked kind of the season and like the rookie has been looked really well. So let's kind of move on to the uh, disappointments as far as teams at the halfway point here. I, we already talked about the angels. I mean, we, you know, we, you know, yeah, you know, we've, we've you know. said all we had to about the angels. I mean, you're wasting Mike Trout and Shohei Otani's career. They're generational hall of famers and well, Otani's not a hall of famer yet, but he should be. Yeah. There's nothing else to say about that. Y'all know. Exactly. Um, and then one of the only other teams we've put uh, would be the Chicago White Sox. I feel like they have been lauded to have just a dominant pitching staff, a dominant lineup, and they just really haven't looked the part this year. Yeah, especially in this division, as we mentioned, is weaker than other divisions, the AL Central. This haven't really got to that point. I mean, obviously the Twins made that jump. Twins are looking really solid, but you got to think what's holding this back. I know we've been fast got some, you got to fire Larissa. I don't know why he's there. I think at some point you actually got to evaluate. Maybe we do something like if the Phillies did fire their manager, get the team inspired again, see if we can go, go on a run, get back in the playoff race. Because right now, 
they're not in it. They're two games under 500. Obviously, things are still pretty tight in the AL where they can't actually get a push to the playoffs, but they need a spark. They need something to happen to get back in this race. Yeah, I mean, people over the last couple of years have just been ranting about how good their lineup is and how good every, like, every player on their team is. And it's it's just it's getting ridiculous at this point where it's very underwhelming. I mean, this team's, like you said, two games below 500. There's really not much to be excited about until they actually do something. That's going to kind of be our disappointments. I can't really think of any other team. I guess an honorable mention for the surprises, we could say the Mets just because they're always so bad no matter who they have. But like they're actually doing okay this year, which is kind of surprising. And they don't have Jacob deGrom. So, and they had didn't have Max Scherzer for a lot of the year. So already, so. True. It is surprising, but something to watch out. They did have once have a 10 game lead in the NL East. It's down to one game now. And they're, they're playing the uh, Braves this upcoming week. So it's something to watch out if uh, the Mets haven't improved, but it, it's, it's going to be an important series to the Braves. Like the Braves did the same thing last this year where they struggled at the beginning, they lose a big player, but yet they're still going to be in a really good spot to make the playoffs. So the Braves <laughs> are a really good opportunity to actually take control of the division. So it's actually pretty fun to watch. Classic Mets. You love to see that. That makes me think uh, one other big piece of news. I don't know how true it is. I haven't looked into it too much. Um, but did you see the thing about Freddie Freeman and his agent? Oh, yeah. Yes, agent yes. not saying anything to Freeman about like the Braves made an offer oh, that was yeah. very similar to the Dodgers and he just didn't tell him. Yeah. Yeah. I got I, I, something said, Freeman, get out of here with that. There's, there's absolutely no way that your agent, your agent works for you. It's his job to tell you offers. There's, there's absolutely no way he did not tell you an offer with the Braves. There's, there's no way. The Dodgers offered him more money. He took the offer, and now he's like, oh, I'm back in Atlanta. I like this team. Oh, no. There's absolutely no way. Like, get out of here. No, there's no way. He had he had to have known. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I don't know how factual the report actually was, but, I, I mean, if I guess I could see that if there was a reason for, you know, the agent to not want him to go back to Atlanta, maybe they offered him, like, a deal that was – a little bit lower than the Dodgers deal, but the guy was just greedy and wanted, you know, more commission on her. I don't know that that's interesting. I mean, if you saw Freeman's reunion um, in Atlanta with the Braves and he got his ring and everything, he was pretty much crying, shaking hands with Snicker and everything. So definitely a really weird Freddie Freeman situation. It's been extremely odd to see him in a Dodger uniform this year and uh, not a Braves uniform. So we're going to move on to uh, some of the players that Nick and I kind of selected that have stood out this year as just, having exceptional years top of this list Jordan Alvarez guy has been on fire if it wasn't for another person on this list Aaron Judge who's challenging for the MVP Alvarez would be number one so him and Judge just incredible yeah it, it's kind of he's taking that step where he hasn't been hurt he looks like he's gonna play the whole season and he's got a really good spot to win the MVP this year uh, the only way he doesn't win it if, if injury does happen later and on here in the, in the upcoming months, but he's really started leading this Yankees lineup, which we knew can be dominant. And he's just kind of the right in the middle of it, leading, leading it off. So kind of going to the next player here, uh, we're going to talk about was the rookie from the Mariners, Julio Rodriguez. And it was actually your pick to win rookie of the year. Good job by you, Evan, here, because he's had a really solid year. He did hit so far, 15 home runs, buying 274. So really has invigorated this Mariners team here, Julio Rodriguez. Uh, with all he's done, we haven't expected this Mariners team to kind of kind of take a step forward. They have done recently uh, eight game winning streak. So he's really been a hard lot. Yeah. I mean, he's been sensational. I, I don't think you even talked about the stolen bases too. He's up there yeah. 
as one of the top guys in the league in stolen bases. I mean, he's just doing everything for this Mariners team. He's hitting, he's fielding, he's swiping bags and swiping games for them. It's been really fun watching him play. And yeah, that, that was my, one of my only good picks. The rest of them have been really bad to this halfway point um, besides the judge for MVP pick as well. So good to see that one of my picks is at least done well. Some of these other guys that have been having really good years, Raphael Devers, Jeremy Pena, those guys, I mean, Devers we knew was good, but he's, and like took that step last year, but he's really like, even I'd, I'd say he's taken another step forward this year. Like he was very good last year. He's been almost MVP worthy this year. He's been sensational. That feels like the guy's just all over the place, multiple hits. He's either hitting home runs, you know, two, three hit games. He's just everywhere. He's a freaking machine. So Red Sox really enjoying having Devers in their lineup and Jeremy Pena. We didn't really have uh, many expectations for him coming in, but I mean, I, I'd say he's really cushioned the blow of losing Correa. Yeah, exactly. I'd say he's almost been better Correa this year, kind of considering how much less money he's going to make this year than Correa is going to make. It's kind of been very impressive with these Astros. They lose players, but they replace them. They lost Springer, not least Correa. They, they lose these players, but they're able to replace them with other guys in their lineup. So it's really good job by their development team and kind of being able to bang out different guys in there to really get the signals down. So very impressed with Payne so far this season. Are we sure they're not cheating? I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, do they say like one man's trash and another man's treasure? I, I don't know how they're really doing this. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe maybe the <laughs> the trash cans just moved locations. Maybe they're on the train tracks now and they're using some sort of like, microphone to relay that. I, I don't know. Maybe they are still cheating. You never know. I don't I don't think Jordan Alvarez can really be that good, can he? I guess so. Yeah, I guess well, so. All fun aside, yeah, the Astros have been very good this year, and it's I don't know. It's it's not great to see because we are a very anti-Astros podcast here. So. Famously, yeah. Yeah, fa- famously. Not not great. Um, and kind of some of the last two guys uh, here, pitchers, uh, both leading their respective leagues in the Cy Young voting, Sandy Alcantara and Shane McClanahan. I mean, these guys were good pitchers, but they are cementing themselves as the best pitchers. Like, if you asked Nick or I, obviously, at the beginning of the year, who our Cy Young picks would be, neither of us would have had any of these guys probably even top five on our list. Maybe Alcantara would have been yeah. like five or like six on the NL list. But neither of us would have said that these guys would be Cy Young candidates, much less the favorites. Hey, Sandy Believer, that's why I drafted him fantasy. Always knew we could do the Cy Young. I, I, no, I, I had no idea, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really happy his production. He's really saving me this year in fantasy, so... Thank you, Sandy. Hopefully the Marlins can start building around you. Don't end up trading you in five years' time. But things are going well for them now, and hope the Marlins do have a little bit of hope right now. I mean, if the Marlins want some prospects back, I'm sure the Yankees would be willing to uh, cough up Anthony Volpe for uh, Sandy Alcantara. I'd be uh, just fine with that. Or maybe even uh, Oswald Peraza or some of those, him with some pitching prospects. I'd, I'd be completely fine with that. Give me Sandy on the Yankees. That'd be disgusting. <laughs> Sorry, to sound like a Laker fan out here with all these like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll we'll take KD and Kyrie for like two picks out here. Don't worry about hey, it. Hey, <laughs> nobody wants to take Kyrie or KD for the price the Nets are shopping him at at this yeah, point. Yeah, no, no, it's ridiculous. It's uh, a quick thirty seconds of basketball here. No, it's that's ridiculous. Yeah. I know there's somebody here with the Warriors would have to offer like I think it was, I think it was like Poole, Wiseman, Kaminga just to get to talking. Like, no, 
get out of here. Get out of here. No. Well, did, they, did you hear they offered, or they, from the Wolves, they wanted Carl Anthony Towns, yeah. Anthony Edwards, and like three first-round picks. I'm like, who in their right mind is going to trade that for it? KD's like 33 already, right? Just watch out. KD's somehow going to end up on the Kings next year. It's going to be funny, but <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Oof. Well, there's your 30 seconds of uh, basketball. basketball. The uh, yeah. three-pointer three podcast. So. Hey, hey, off-brand, get the other going. Let's go. Well, we might have to make a basketball podcast after this one. <laughs> yeah. I, I know uh, MV3BP listener uh, Adam Irvine yeah. would uh, love that podcast. Yeah. We could do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So before we get to kind of the all-star selections, which actually came out today, we're going to kind of go into comments that Manfred made on some rule changes and expansion of the league. Uh, Nick, I'm going to kind of give it to you to talk about this a bit. Yeah, sure. It was uh, happened about a month ago during uh, Manfred's kind of midseason press conference. He kind of talked a little bit of how some of the rule changes have been doing in minor leagues, such as things kind of speed up the game, kind of results. He said, I've seen some success here kind of with, with, with the pitch count and kind of other things they're doing to kind of speed up the game in the minor leagues, started to see some success. So I uh, don't know when it will ever be implemented in the MLB, but that's kind of what he reported on. And then he did kind of mention something that kind of a lot of people really started talking about is the MLB would like to get to 32 teams eventually. It just overall makes sense considering the amount of money this league has lost over the past couple of years due to the pandemic and instantly $500 million franchise fee. That helps out your league a lot. If you do two of those, that's a billion dollars right there. MLB is, is really into expansion, but obviously that can't happen until you figure out what to do with the A's in the Rays, because you, you can't really give a team expansion out when you kind of leverage two markets to build stadiums or the team's going to move. Yeah, definitely. So that's kind of an update on some of the rules and kind of comments from Manfred that he's made uh, over the course of this season. Let's also take this time just to briefly talk about how some of these new uh, rule changes have been. Uh, during the season two, uh, have you still liked the runner on second rule? You, you, you I, still firm with that? I'm still on, like I said, for me, there's so many goddamn games. I, I barely even see it, to be honest. Like my team, the edge is so bad. Like I, I never, I never see it even happen. They're never, they're never getting next inning. So I can't even see this rule even happen. I don't think it's even after the giant either. So I'm not even seeing this rule even in play. So at this point, it's not even affecting me, but like I said, for me, I'm always a fan of it. I, when I watch a lot of baseball, you just want to get to the end of the game. It's something we'll always disagree on, but my thing is, what can you do? I'm always a big believer in whatever the overtime, it should be different than the actual game. If you look at college football, it's different than the actual game. With the NHL, they do like a sudden death and then you know the penalty, same thing with soccer. So for me, I'm always a big proponent is whatever the extra time of a game is should always be different than the regular game. Uh, in terms of other rules of MLB, I haven't seen anything kind of affect it. I know they're starting to do a little bit kind of with the pitch clock. It's kind of somewhat, but it's not like it's like 24 seconds. I really haven't seen that much effect going on there and then honestly the biggest push now is just like people are really kind of going to the more of the we want robot robot umps because i know there's been a lot of missed calls this year things are starting to get everyone now is basically an ump because everybody can see on their screen kind of the balls and strikes being called live and like hey how'd you miss that so badly i mean be a 70 year olds out there trying to watch a ball going 100 miles per hour it's kind of difficult so i overall it's really the only thing kind of over discussion is really has been is it now time for robotic ump I want to go back to the runner on second base real quick too. I, I never really thought about that statement you made that overtime should be different than the actual regular like game. I think that's a pretty good point and that kind of swayed me over to liking the rule just a little bit more. 
I'm still not for it. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm still not <laughs> yeah, for it. Yeah. But I get that, and it makes it make a little bit more sense. The only flaw in it is that the NBA is also like the MLB was, where there is no like overtime yeah. new overtime rule. But yeah. I kind of I get I understand that. I, it might work for me more if they only implemented it during the regular season. Yeah. Because in the postseason, like the NHL, when they go to three-on-three overtime. Yeah, 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 I agree with that. I agree with that completely. Yeah, you need to switch it back to in the postseason to just regular extra innings. Yeah. But in the regular season, you play so many games, I guess I can see that being fine in regular season games. But yeah, the postseason, it should not be in whatsoever. No exceptions. Yeah. And then what about the DH rule as well? Uh, DH rule. What do you think? I mean, it's great. I mean, like I said, let's, let's, let's be real. No one really cares about, like, we all we all get the hype when a pitcher hits a home run, but it basically got to the point where, especially when AL played NL teams, guys are just up there just taking three strikes because they want their pitcher to get hurt. To be honest, I think it's counteracts some of the things going on with, like, the ball and, like, everyone striking out, either hitting a home run. So getting another, getting another bad lineup, it's been great. It's been better for fantasy, to be honest. We get another, we get another hitter in the lineup. It's kind of been cool with the done with Shohei, where basically he's kind of still being able to do that role when they – He'd be a pitcher and a hitter at the same time. So they made a special rule for him, which I think is pretty cool. But overall, I know the tradition is like, oh, we want pitchers batting. But like, to me, it's still wild for like, like it was like a 40 year period where you had two leagues in the same league play by a different set of rules. It'd be crazy. It'd be like, it'd be like in the NFL or like, oh, you can't play with a second tight end. Like why? Yep. You know, and just in the AFC or something. <laughs> just in the AFC. Like that's crazy. NFC can, AFC can. Yeah. yeah. It, it makes no sense. So that, that rule's definitely been nice. And like you said, it's been really nice to have an extra hitter and not see pitchers hit the damn ball. <laughs> so attempt and the ball. Yeah, attempt to. I agree with you with the robot umps. Or sorry, I, you didn't really make a statement on that. You just. I'm pro. Uh, you're pro. I don't know. Yeah. I still don't really know on that one. I mean, I, I you're right. It's a, definitely a problem with a lot of missed calls, but I still don't really know how I feel. I feel like that human element of the game has just been there for so long. I don't know if they actually change something. I'll have to kind of watch and see how I feel after. Um, so let's kind of move off of the uh, how we're liking the rules this year. And we're going to move into and just kind of quickly review the all-stars that were selected tonight. So I'm going to actually go through the AL roster um, and then have Nick give his law thoughts. And then Nick, I'll have you go through the NL roster and I'll kind of fill and give my thoughts after that. So yeah. your American League starting all-stars uh alejandro kirk at catcher i think that's a very good yeah. pick i mean i think that came out correctly with voting um jose altuve at second base i can't really think of any other second baseman no so i mean i guess i haven't really even seen this season that altuve is having but the astros are playing so well i can't imagine it's that bad uh third baseman your starter is rafael devers that's completely warranted that's perfect it's exactly how it should be tim anderson at shortstop if i recall i don't think tim anderson's having that great of a year no i, I don't really this one was a bit of a shocker him getting the uh him getting selection at shortstop i'm trying to think who would be some other guys that are like candidates to be that shortstop i mean bogarts has been having a really good year under it the could, radar could have been Pena, to be honest and it could have been jeremy Pena too yeah I, I don't i don't really know i mean obviously it's fan votes so whatever but yeah tim anderson uh, Jackie over there is not playing very well. <laughs> that whole thing. We missed that whole thing. Oh, too. Yeah, with uh, we we can't get into that right now. This, no. this pod's already running pretty long. We can't get into that, but yeah. maybe we'll do a, a separate segment yeah. in a different podcast about that. 
your starting outfielders are Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, and John Carlos Stanton. I have no complaints about that. That's pretty accurate. I can't think of anybody else. That would be a pretty good outfield, not going to lie. Indeed. Trout, Judge, and Stanton. Um, and your DH, Shohei Ozani. I mean, I that that's a pretty solid AL starting team. Let's kind of talk a little bit about some of the other names that can't stand out. Your pitching-wise, there, there were a lot of kind of first-year guys, like a Flapper and Cortez. Holmes has been great for me in fantasy as well. And then other guys were just kind of selected because they needed player spots, like Jorge Lopez gets the nod Baltimore, and then Soto gets the nod for uh, Detroit. But overall, th- there were a lot of first-year guys on the spout looking overall. And we kind of talked a little bit about snubs in the AL, but for me, I think the biggest snub in the AL is definitely a guy like Ty France, batting over 300. But see, my whole thing is if you're batting through over 300 now in the MLB, you should be an all-star because no, no one's even batting 240 anymore. So – I think that's kind of the biggest uh, snub looking at the on the AL side, but was there any snubs or any surprises here in the AL for you, Evan? I'm still with the one that you said. Um, if you're hitting 300, tie France, I mean, that that's crazy that you're not an all-star. And he's been one of the very, um, not one of the very few, sorry. He, he's been a very big bright spot on the Mariners and he just kind of, you know, wasn't expected to do anything. He came over from San Diego and was just kind of there, but he's took advantage and he's been fantastic. Nestor Cortez is a big surprise to me. He's been incredible um, as well as Martin Perez. I mean, who, who would have thought that Martin Perez would be an all-star this year? You saw yeah. Martin Perez pitch last, whatever it was, yeah. two, three years of the Red Sox. Yeah. Who, what, well, how is he an all-star? Yeah, exactly. Makes no sense. Uh, Luisa rise. That's another big guy that's been very good i mean he's he's always had the potential he's just never really put it together but i think we kind of felt that he was going to do it this year yeah we'll uh, we move over to the nl now kind of walk through the lineup here and then we'll talk about the uh reserves for the nl spot so uh for the nl the catcher is gonna be a wilson Contreras, a guy uh on the trading block with a truck with a struggling uh cubs team paul goodsmith paul goldsmith still doing it out here even though he's getting up there in age so good for him uh, very electric jazz Chisholm. Uh, probably spot probably won't with the Albies, but Albies got hurt uh, recently. He's going to miss a lot of time here on 60 day AL. But Jazz Chisholm's kind of really been a spark in the uh, in the Marlins lineup. So good for him. Machado, really great bounce back year from him. He's doing pretty well. Uh, Trey Turner as well. And then the outfield here, you got Mookie Betts. Jack Jack Peterson, bit of a surprise. He he actually had a pretty good like start to the season for the Giants. He's kind of slowed down a little bit, but still very impressive. And then uh, Bryce Harper, who's currently hurt, uh, getting, getting the uh, designated hitter nod here for the National League team. Yeah, I mean, I can't really I, – I don't have any problems with that. I mean, that looks really good. Acuna is awesome. Betts has been having uh, – if it wasn't for um, – who's the NL MVP right now? Why can't I think of him? Shoot. Well, who, whoever, whoever, uh, there's one guy that's playing really well that's in the lead for NL MVP. And if it wasn't for that guy, Betts is kind of getting there to be a little bit of a close second. So great job from Betts. Um, yeah, Chisholm's electric. Goldschmidt's been having a fantastic year. I'd love to see the Yankees trade for Wilson Contreras. They won't do it. I highly doubt they do it, but yeah, that would, um, I mean, that, you, that would be pretty electric. I have two all have two all star catchers up in here. That'd be pretty crazy. Exactly, Jose Trevino <laughs> and Wilson Contreras. That's 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 pretty nuts. 
kind of go into the pitchers a little bit too. Obviously, yeah. Alcantara is a great pick. David Bednar has been a pretty big surprise for the uh, Pirates. Yeah, uh, one of their good relievers, Corbin Burns and Luis Castillo. We've always, you know, they're going to be there. Uh, Edwin Diaz, fantastic. He's been great on this bounce back year. Max Freed is on here. That doesn't has he pitched? Oh, I'm thinking of Mike Soroka. He yeah, has yeah, yeah. pitched. Okay, so Freed makes pretty good. sense. He's pretty good. Yeah. Tony Gonsolin's been like in the Cy Young yeah. race too. Tony Gonsolin's been awesome for the Dodgers this year. ERA leader, Obviously, yeah. You're gonna have Hater. Yeah, he's the RA leader, exactly. Ryan Helsley's been a very big surprise for St. Louis, too. He lights it up into triple digits and has just put it all together this year. He's kind of taken over that closer role, too, uh, in St. Louis. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, obviously, is always there. Joe Musgrove, you know, all, all classics. And then the one guy that we were talking about before, Joe Mattaply, I think before the podcast, Nick and I were kind of talking. We had no idea who this guy was. So Exactly. Congrats to him. <laughs> and somebody's got to represent the D-back, so good for him. Yeah, exactly. And then to kind of cap this all off, um, the commissioner's office does yep. have the ability to name, um, I don't even know what they're called, but, you know, veteran or honorary all-stars. Uh, great job. Manfred actually did something right, which is incredible to see. Uh, Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols. Rob are be Manfred, are you serious? Yeah, seriously, <laughs> seriously good decision by Manfred here. Kind exactly. Of, when, you, when you have guys here that have, were basically like generational talent especially like 2000 when you think of like 2000s baseball you think of these two guys to bear impulse what they're able to do uh if you look at like like a list of players like i think it's like over like 500 home runs or like over 3,000 hits like it's these guys and like three other players like it really shows you how important they've been for this game i mean it, it sucks i mean cabrera did get his one ring with the uh with the marlins early on his career it sucks he was never able to really get back there after getting swept when he's about the tie years and then Pools was able to get uh, his couple with the Cardinals. And we can see if that Cardinals team can push to see if they can get him one more shot here in the playoffs. But you guys are both going to retire, and they were definitely really important for the game of baseball, especially here, what, they, what their impact was. And also guys coming from different countries, from Pools coming from the Dominican Republic, and then uh, Cabrera coming from Venezuela. Yeah, I mean, they're surefire Hall of Famers. It's going to be a very great send-off, just like they've done in the past with, like, Jeter and Ortiz. I'm very, very happy that they're going to be there and being honored. Really quick, we're going to uh, move on to the World Baseball Classic, which is back. Um, but very quickly, I don't know if you saw this. It was probably a week ago, maybe a little bit less. Uh, that docuseries that ESPN produced, The Captain, is coming out on July 18th. And ESPN had the nerve to put a giant billboard of Jeter with the like docu-series logo and everything, the captain yeah. and advertise it right outside of Fenway park. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So uh, that's up. I, I, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely like a little bit petty. Like look at us. We're going to do a ride in front of the biggest rival. So uh, it's going to be interesting doc. I know Jeter, I don't really said anything. I think when he was a player, but he's a tremendous player and was definitely his nickname was the captain. He was the captain for all those world series team of the Yankees. And was kind of, Every 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 Yankees fan, every Yankees fan, every favorite player, and kind of growing up here in the past like twenty years, so it uh, should be a fun one for Yankee fans and so overall baseball fans to watch coming up. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. Obviously, y'all know I'm a pretty big Jeter fan. That's yeah, that was my guy growing up. So I'm very happy to be watching that uh, docu series in about a week here. 
they they had like a reaction video or sorry not a video but like they went around fenway and like asked people about the billboard and just some of the responses were hilarious there's guys that are just like i don't know why it's here like don't like it don't know why they put it there classic classic (laughs) all right so let's kind of move on to the world baseball classic here uh it's back it's going to be in march 2023 and i'm going to give it to you to kind of give us more details nick yeah, definitely. Uh, this announcement came up uh, early this week. We knew it was going to be back. We weren't really sure about the details about it yet. Uh, but we finally got them. This will be the first time we're playing it since 2017. Uh, it was supposed to be slated for 2021, but then the pandemic happened and then it kind of got pushed to the side. So I'm happy it's going to be back. I was actually at a couple games in 2017, and then I was at a game in 2013 as well. So really excited uh, to have this tournament back. It was probably the best baseball game I ever went to was seeing U.S. play to make Republic in Miami. So I'll kind of walk through a little bit about the tournament details, and we'll close it out here. So kind of just to keep you guys updated, there's actually going to be a little bit of a, a qualifying round before the tournament starts. Every team that uh, was in the tournament the last uh, last time in 2017 qualifies for the World Baseball Classic coming up here next year because they're expanding the field by four teams. So there'll actually be some new teams getting the opportunity to make the Classic. So these uh, qualifying tournaments are going to be happening here later this year in September. So right at core line, like at the end of this baseball season, we'll actually get some uh, uh, qualifying rounds to the Real Baseball Classic as well. So in a uh, pool A, it's going to be Germany, Czech Republic, Spain, France, uh, Great Britain, South Africa, uh, both Spain and South Africa have been in the World Baseball Classic before and the other uh, four teams will be looking for the uh, first chance to get in. So the way pool play is going to work, it's going to be a double elimination, uh, double elimination tournament with the top two teams being able to getting into the main tournament and uh, getting placed from there. And then in the other bracket, which we played in Panama City, uh, the first uh, pool has been played in Germany. So uh, in Panama City, we're in Panama, Nicaragua, uh, Brazil, Argentina, Pakistan, and New Zealand. Of uh, this team, both Brazil and Panama have qualified for previous pro, uh, baseball classics. So uh, really can't make any predictions yet. We don't know what the rosters are going to look like. We don't know if uh, certain MLB players will be released to be a play in this or kind of what players uh, these teams will have. But definitely interesting. I definitely think we will see some new teams coming up here in the main uh, tournament. So uh, just a quick overview on the main tournament, just the host cities and the teams that will be playing in each of them. Pool A, this team is taking place in Taiwan. So it will be uh, Taiwan, Netherlands, Cuba, Italy, and then a qualifying team in uh, Pool B. It's going to be Japan, Korea, Australia, China, qualifying team. And then Pool C, playing in Phoenix here, is going to be, uh, I think it's probably the most competitive group we got going on. It's going to be U.S., Mexico, Colombia, Canada, a qualifying team. And then you're going to see some really cool matchups with Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic in the Pool D, which is going to be Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Venezuela. Israel and the qualifying team happening in Miami. So that's going to be electric there. And then the uh, semifinal and finals will also be happening in, happening in Miami kind of towards the end of the month. So it's going to be a really exciting time here as March hits, as we find out certain rosters. I know if they can get to all their players, that team's going to be sacked and they got to figure out who's going to play where. But really looking forward to seeing this tournament going to be happening here in a couple months, Evan. Yeah, and, and like you said, hopefully we can uh, – I'm, I'm living near Miami now, so hopefully you can try and take a trip out. We can uh, maybe hit one of these games or two. It, it would be cool to see uh, a couple games outside of just the MLB, which is our norm for now. Um, so thanks for the update on the World Baseball Classic, Nick, and that's going to kind of close us out for today. Um, so thanks for listening, guys. Uh, glad to kind of be back. Hopefully we're going to get you a couple episodes here as the trade deadline and the – end of the season slash uh, postseason come about. Um, Nick, I'm going to give it to you to close this out for episode 27. Yeah, well, uh, thank you guys for supporting us. I know it's been a while since we recorded an episode. Hopefully here 
going forward here now they're kind of more in a situated better better kind of like stable situation we're all kind of know we're in one place we will get some more episodes coming out here uh soon as we approach the uh deadline and then we as we start getting closer to the playoffs so uh, as you guys know, the best place to support the podcast is to go to our Red Bubble store. We've got all the free bagger and e-borlicks Electric City merch you can get there. We got t-shirts, we got stickers, anything you anything with a logo on it, you can probably get on Red Bubble. So go over there to support the podcast. And uh, as always, we have deep debt. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>